Welcome back. We're in Revelation chapter 21, verse 22. We're going to finish chapter 21 today. Let's go. Revelation 21, 22. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are in are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no more, uh, be no night there. I'm having problems reading today. Verse 26, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, but there shall by no means enter, enter, in, enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. All right, so we observed it. Remember, we do the observation, then the interpretation, and the application. The observation is reading it. The interpretation is what does it mean, and the application is what does it mean to me. So we want to understand that as we go to the Bible. Very simple biblical um, understanding how to go through the Bible. So now let's go and interpret it and apply it. It says, but I saw no temple in it. Who is this? This is John. Still telling the story. God used John to pen the book of Revelation. It says, I saw no temple in it. So what did he not see? No temple. I guess he expected to see the temple, right? Uh, or God told him to specifically to say that there's no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Who are the temple? Just God the Father or just Jesus? No, both. It says the Lord God Almighty, that means God the Father, and the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? The sacrificial Lamb, that's Jesus, are its temple. In the Old Testament, the temples existed to separate man from God. Why? Because God is holy and we are unholy. So we cannot be in his direct presence. This changed when Jesus conquered death and became our intercessor, giving us direct access to God. Priests today are not necessary because we no longer need an intermediary between us and God. So the Catholic man-made tradition of confessing your sins to a person in a black robe instead of to God is completely unbiblical. You don't need to do that. That is trying to control people, saying you need us for this so that people will pay you and tithe and come to church and idolize you and stuff. No, 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 that's not necessary. You don't need to confess your sins to man. You need to confess your sins to God originally, and then it's a good thing to confess them as you go forward too, and that's a good sign to show that you have been saved again, right? Some people say, how do I know if I'm a Christian? How do I know if I'm saved? Well, when you sin, are you bothered by it? We call that conviction, but does it affect you? Does it bother you? Does it make you think about what you did wrong? Well, that's a good sign that you're born again, Um do you want to confess your sins and, and talk about them or tell someone? You can tell them to God. You're certainly welcome to tell them to other people if you want to, but it's not a requirement. You don't need to go to a person in a black robe. You don't need to go to the pastor of your church. You don't need to go to your spouse. Any of those can be helpful uh, to help have accountability and have help uh, ask someone to help walk through it. But you only need to go to God to ask his forgiveness. You only need to tell it directly to God. Jesus was the high priest from the order of Melchizedek. Well, of course, he still is. But he was the high priest. So the idea behind it 
You had to go to the special person known as a high priest in order to confess your sins, in order to be that your uh, intermediary between you and God, an unholy person and a holy God. But when Jesus came, he wiped that out. He tore the veil and the holy of holies split in half so that we have direct access to God the Father because Jesus is our high priest and we can go straight to and through Jesus to God the Father. Now, about this temple or the lack thereof, a temple is not necessary. There are no more enemies. There is no more sin. So we don't need that, right? Because the temple, again, was the place, it was the tabernacle and then the temple and the Holy of Holies where God dwelled because he had to be separated from sinful man. But in the eternal kingdom, which we are talking about here, which is after the rapture, after the tribulation, and after the 1,000-year millennial kingdom, at that time there's no more enemies, no Satan, uh, no more sin. So a temple's not necessary. There's nothing that needs to be needs to separate us from God because we are holy at that time forever. Why? Because he declared us righteous. We are in our glorified state at that point in time. Right now, we are not glorified. We have been justified, just as if we had not sinned, and we are being sanctified to look more and more like the character of Jesus with each with the passing of time. But we won't be glorified until we get to heaven. And so we're free from the penalty of sin right now, but not, we're not free of the presence of sin because we live in fleshly sinful bodies, and that's going to continue for this lifetime. But after the millennial kingdom and the eternal kingdom, there will be no Satan, no temptation, no sin. We will have the free will to choose to sin if we so choose. But all of us, every single one of us, will choose to glorify and honor and praise God. And we will choose not to sin. Because if we sin, then we just have earth part two. We'd have to do this whole thing over again. So in the eternal kingdom, we will not sin. So God is the temple himself. And Jesus and the Father are together because the Father can now be with man again, which hasn't happened since before Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. Isn't that cool? Don't you see this whole thing coming back to fruition, right? God created the world, and now we're looking at the, the end of the world, which is eternity, and he's kind of reconciling the two, if you, if you will. He's redeeming all of these amazing things that he started in the beginning. And now he's saying, we're going back to that. You're not, but you're not going to sin. There's going to be no temptation. There's going to be no Satan. You're going to have the free will to love me, and you're going to choose to love me for eternity. And I, he said, he, you know, this is God. I'm not God. He chooses to love us eternally, which he chooses to love us now as well. In fact, I was leading the sixth grade uh, boys group at church yesterday, and one of the things I wanted them to see was that it doesn't matter what you do. You sin, you look at a girl, you, uh, you know, there's people out there right now who are killing people, who are killing police. It's, it's disgusting and saddening, but Jesus still loves that person. He wants them to come to him, and it's possible for them to come to him, right? Because he's, he says he wants that none shall perish. And he makes that offer universally for God so loved the world that he gives one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Your name may have been written in the book of life from the beginning of time, but you still have to choose to come to Jesus. He just knows ahead of time that you would choose him. That's how sovereignty and free will play out. He understands it. We don't. And we can't wrap our little minds around it because we have finite minds and he has an infinite mind. Let's look at John eight twelve. 
which plays into this. It says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Right? In the tabernacle, there was a golden lampstand. But in the eternal kingdom, he is the golden lampstand. We don't need a sun or stars to give us light because he is light. God is love. God is light. And remember that the Holy of Holies inside of the uh, um, temple, it was a perfect cube. And that's where God dwelt. And in the future, in the New Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem will be the same shape. It will also be a cube. And that will be, will be where God dwells. And it's likely that this will be the first place where God the Father will be visible to man. Won't that be awesome? All right, so verse 23 we go on and it says the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine so this is a city what city the, well we've got remember you've got the heavens you've got new jerusalem and you've got the earth and new jerusalem is the cube and that's where god and the church are the church is the bride of christ and then you've got uh living on the earth you've got jewish people jewish believers um only the jewish people who believe in jesus as their savior and Gentile nations, which are Gentiles, non-Jewish people, who came to Jesus before the church age or after the church age. So what does that mean? Before Pentecost, so like Old Testament, or maybe the first 33 or so years of uh, Jesus' life while he was on the earth. And those who came to Jesus after the, tribu- uh, after the rapture, which is during the tribulation, or they were born of people who were believers and survived through the tribulation of the millennial kingdom, and they then chose Jesus. So basically think of the Gentile nations uh, here living on earth with the Jewish people and the Gentile nations are the uh, basically Gentile believers, non-Jewish people, other than the church. Who is the church? The church is both Gentile and Jewish believers between the time of Pentecost and the rapture who come to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we, the church, will get to live in the New Jerusalem with God. All right. So the city had no need for the sun. There will be no sun, no moon, and no night, but always light. Pretty cool, right? But then there are questions. Will we sleep? Will there be seasons? Will there be time? And why is this so different from the original creation, which contained all of those things? I would suggest to you it's because the sun and the moon gave us seasons, but we will have no need for seasons in the eternal kingdom. It's also possible that we won't need to sleep to recharge our bodies anymore, perhaps. Right now, we use time to track and count down towards the end of our earthly lives, but we'll have no need for that in the eternal kingdom because we'll live forever. However, we will be able to, uh, we will be able to know if the next month has begun, begun because the tree of life, which we'll learn about in a little bit, produces a different kind of fruit each month. It produces 12 fruits, one each month. So you'll be able to count the months and the years, but there'll be no purpose. You're not really like, oh, I'm closer to death. Oh, I'm closer to retirement. It'll just be, hey, it must be a new month because there's a new fruit on the tree. Cool. And so there's a variety in heaven. And it's not just the same thing over and over and over. It's going to be awesome. Just you, you got to trust that. Remember that God was the light in the beginning of creation. And then he used, then he used the stars and sun to produce light instead of himself but he was the original light holder 
And that's what he will be in the New Jerusalem. Light will emanate from him. It'll light up New Jerusalem. There will be no night, only day, always light. And it'll light up the earth. And either, you know, I, I suggest one of two things happens. Either at that time, not this time, but at that time the earth is flat, so light is visible everywhere to it. Or it's, um, you know, a, a round like it is today. Um, but somehow the laws of physics are changed because he's God and he can do that because he created science. He is omniscient, which means omniscience, which means he is the chief scientist. And people today are trying to hijack that word science. And the liberals have completely taken that word uh, out of context. And they're like, oh, science says, science says, it's like, no, you know who the ultimate scientist is who trained and taught everything we know about science? And who knows more about science than you could ever possibly understand in the you know, a billion years of studying it, it's God, the one who created everything. He is the chief scientist. So he can make light go around the whole earth if he wants it to be round in the new uh, eternal kingdom. But it could also be flat. It's his choice. He's the one who created all the physics and the stars in the universe, so he can recreate it any way that he wants. Um, let's see. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated in it. So there we see God lit it up. The Lamb is its light. That's the next verse. And then in verse 24, I actually think we'll hold off and do verse 24 tomorrow. Lord, thank you. I pray that you would help us understand that we are on limited time, I would say on borrowed time, and the decisions we make in this life will affect us for eternity. And that decision, Lord, the one that matters is what did we do with your son, Jesus? Did we accept him as our Lord and Savior? We know who he was. We read about him. We can read in the Bible and we can read outside of the Bible to learn what kind of a man he was, that he was a man. And also God, he performed miracles. But he also didn't open his mouth. And, and may that be a lesson to us that we not open our mouths. Lord, I can't wait to see what the future looks like. It's going to be amazing. I know that because you created it, it's going to be insanely awesome, especially without sin, especially without people like me who sin because we'll be recreated, right? We won't have that temptation or desire to sin anymore. And I can't wait for that, that I don't have these thoughts and these sins that I have in this fleshly body, Lord. If anybody hasn't accepted Christ today, I pray that they would accept you as their Lord and Savior. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Daily Verse by Verse. We want you to be prepared in season and out of season to study the whole counsel of God so that you can share with people who Jesus is through your actions so that you have the right to tell them who Jesus is, so that they can come to know Jesus or come to know Jesus better. We strongly encourage you to share this message, this podcast on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, message, email someone who you think could benefit from it. It's an easy way for you to go out and witness to the world just by sharing this podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.